0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. I'm, of course, the Grumgarner three-man booth today, along with Colton Pouncey and Chris Burke, as the 2022 season finally getting underway on Sunday, gentlemen. Colton, I guess first and foremost, congratulations on finishing training camp. You survived. <laughs> Thank you. You survived your first one. How did it go? Was How was gr- the experience?
1: That was a grind, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Like, the 8 a.m. pressers and early to start, I've obviously, my line yeah. went off. But even, like, right. after that, it's like, every single day you're out there. And, like, the access is appreciated. Like, I'll say that. Like, coming over from a college beat, we get, like, yes. used yeah. to get 15 minutes, like, maybe once a week, uh, three times during the month of August, and that was it. So, I appreciated the access, and I think it helped me, like, learn the team faster. But, my God, is it, like, tedious <laughs> and long and i was just happy it's over you know for good. were you
0: i was waiting for yeah in the end of hard knocks when they had all the rookies sit down and tell them what they thought training camp was before and then after <laughs> i was like can we get a colton can we get a colton before before and after because you know they i don't know <laughs>
1: they, they didn't get my rookie showcase either no i didn't, I didn't get a chance to do that <laughs>
0: <laughs> rookie showcase chris how are you doing how are things
1: uh yeah i'll echo the congratulations
2: for making it, it is uh it, like it doesn't sound that bad when you tell people about it. Like it's like three hours, you know, practice two three hours. It, like it's, the weather's nice, you're outside. But when it yeah, when it's stacks together for like six weeks like that, and a lot you had out. the trip to go see them in Indianapolis too mm-hmm. on top of it. The preseason games are in there. It is just. By the end of it, is uh, <laughs>
0: like you feel like you've covered a quarter of a college football season right now, don't you? Well, you, I, know you I really mean. do. Yeah, I
2: remember <laughs> the uh, the previous regime getting mad when reporters would complain about it because, yeah, yeah. like, when well, we're here
0: every day, twenty
2: hours a day. You're only here for okay. fourteen <laughs> or whatever it would
0: be sometimes. Yeah, it's... Oh, uh, God.
2: This is, the, this is more fun now, certainly. And this yeah. crowd uh, for week one, I, that'll be fun, I'm I pumped. think, too. I think that place is going to be
0: You got standing room only? Up. Yeah. It, in we some go. weird ways, yeah, it's like for us, it always like seems to settle after camp ends. And for everybody else, it gets more exciting. <laughs> but for us, it just falls into a normal <laughs> right. setting. But you guys brought up the best point there is the anticipation for um, Sunday's game is real. I saw a standing room only Colton mentioned... I believe, Chris, this is the first time they've had something like this for the opener, I saw since 2019.
2: It's been a few years. I mean, even those games, though...
0: Patricia's second year, so... There were
2: some games, uh, you know, last year where the crowd was pretty sparse, but even...
0: uh, They were always fired up, though. I was going to say, you could tell
2: people are, like, if they get out to, like, a 7-10-0 lead, that place Mm -hmm. is going to be crazy because people are just waiting for it. Like, even the... I think I tweeted out the last game last year. They yes, were playing the Packers. I right. tweeted out the video of the, like, rousing Let's Go Lions chant. <laughs> like, what are was, you people even doing here?
0: It was fascinating to see the close of the Patricia era blend into the start of Campbell because when the Patricia era ended, you know, like, even before, I guess it was still with no fans. They didn't let fans come in at the end of 2020, today. That It never happened. But before even. At the end of 2019, it was just like, Ugh, like, who even, <laughs> like, But in this, like, people would leave, the building would be empty, but the first game of 2021, I remember, they play the 49ers, and they're getting smoked, but, you know, they made that little comeback, and the thing I remembered was everybody stayed. People stayed to the very end of the game, and that happened several times throughout the year. So it's not shocking that, you know, they've got another batch of fan interest, but I also have to think that Hard Knocks probably played a big role in that. Um, Colton, I know you watched it up close and wrote about it every week and thank God that's over as well for you yes. uh, they haven't <laughs> anymore. But you know, we've talked a lot about, I think hard for them to complain about anything. I think they were really well represented right in, in the, yeah. uh, in the whole thing.
1: I think that, you know, based on probably what the Lions wanted out of this, you know, they were the ones that volunteered for the season, mm-hmm. which means that they had something that they want to show off. Uh, I think it went pretty well. I mean, there's not too much to complain about. I mean, most of the issues I've seen, from fans, were that, oh, why don't you highlight Jared Goff more? Okay, sure. he's been on the show three times. Um, what about Jeff Okuda? I don't know if Jeff Okuda really wanted his story out yeah, there. Yeah, fair, the pressure. Fair. You know, just the mental side of you know that Achilles injury for him. I don't think he wanted that out there. Maybe. Um, so, I mean, I get it. They they kind of did what Hard Knocks did. They focused on some guys that really had no chance of making the roster. They kind of made some roster locks look like they weren't. You right exactly roster locks but, <laughs> but
0: they always that. do yeah. they
1: always do but again like hard knocks for me and I was talking to James Edwards about this like hard knocks is not really for the team like obviously if you're a fan of the team that's being showcased you yes. like you're watching you'll tune in but it's really for a national audience so I think what the Lions got out of that they got to show off their coaching staff with all these former players as assistants they got to show off Dan Campbell who is basically the star of the season and some key young players in what they're building in Detroit so I think that's for what they wanted to accomplish with the season, I think they got it done.
0: Yeah, Brad Holmes mentioned it last week when they had he and Ray Agnew sat down uh, with the media. There, it was. I remember, he said something about because I I can remember the first year he talked a little bit in the periods around free agency when he's like, you know, guys around the league are starting to hear about what we're doing here. Other guys around the league, other players, and he said it again last week. You know, like if nothing else, hard knocks, you know, broadcast it out to everybody that we want to talk to. Going forward, both draft pick and, you know, prospective free agent, prospective coach, you know, I think all those things are, are things that you have to, you know, GM, front office people, all that. Um, so that's that's, I think, something that you don't think about as much until it ends. And then you say, OK, well, the whole show is about their culture. And so really all it was was a commercial for them to go out and add more quality people. Right. I mean, yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Which, I mean, which is the thing it? Patricia never wanted to do, Chris. Right. Of course.
2: <laughs> was it, uh, who was it that was getting cut? Was it Albina? Uh, you know, he got kicked out there and then he can't turn around at the door. And was yeah, like, I just want to thank easy. you for letting yeah. me easy, right? Yeah. Like, and thank you for letting players be themselves. And like, that was, that was to what good. you're saying. Like that is, if there's guys who get free agency next year and they're on the fence, like, I want to go here. I want to go here. And they're going to. Some of that's going to stick if they saw yeah. any of those clips or their agents saw those clips. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think that was probably the best thing to come out of it. Although I will say I kept waiting for there to be like – like everyone they cut was like, oh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate the <laughs> yes. opportunity. I kept yes. waiting for someone to be – I mean, Dan Skipper <laughs> seemed like he was a little mad. It was, it was like, and, what can yeah. I do? But yeah, uh I kept waiting for someone to be like <laughs> – you kept, are you serious? I, like Tom Kennedy, like, yeah. what else do you want from me,
1: man? Like, that was the happiest, <laughs> the happiest set of exit interviews I've ever seen. Well,
0: to be fair, to be fair, Tom Kennedy's did kind of look despondent. He kind of looked Kennedy like he was
2: like, Skipper looked a little more. Nice, almost,
0: but- Tom Kennedy almost had that like Larry David music playing. We were like, what do you want me to say <laughs> or do anymore? You know, like, what do you want? Am I not a preseason well, god? What else can well, I do? Yeah, what do I say? <laughs> The guy that you that we didn't hear from is David Blau. And we only heard from mm. him in a weird, uh, very protected soundbite that he gave via the Minnesota Vikings you training camp. Did not sound camp. like he
1: wanted to do that at all.
0: <laughs> and I'll bet you a dollar that cut meeting did not go well. Because, yeah. and I do not want to make too much about the backup quarterback situation anymore than we probably already have, which is way too much. But, you know, I mean, when he said... I wanted to go somewhere where I had a chance. I felt like I had a chance to compete. And Campbell said it on the show that he feels like this is kind of a dead end for him. Um, hard, to ar- hard to argue with that. Hard to ignore it, right? Like Blau, it's hard to say. And it's a weird sort of contradiction the Lions are still sort of working through, I think, in that 52 spots on the roster are exactly what you want to be in terms of the, the best guy wins it. Uh, the, comp- the competition, we bring in the best guys we can to come steal it from you. Uh, and not that Jared Goff's not the best guy, of course he is, but it's like, are you really pushing him? And I think that, you know, that question sometimes gets raised and I I don't know if that we've got the answer on that yet.
1: Yeah. I also thought was interesting, Rod Wood was like I mean he he's a smart guy. He has to know that even though he yeah. made the initial fifty three, he's not exactly maybe, maybe
0: you could have told him, but you know, I mean that's that too. A, yeah. That's another matter. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's Any like, other? Did,
1: did you tell him Brad's yeah, like he's not? Like, yet. Has
0: anyone talked with with right. Blau yet? And Brad's like, no. And he's like <laughs> But in any event, I do think the whole thing was a net positive in so many ways for them. Both the guys on the team, like Pimpleton got picked up right away. You saw that. Yeah. I don't know if that would have happened if, if not for Hard Knocks and he's in New York now. Yeah. Um, I think they got back a lot of the other guys. You know, and the other thing Chris mentioned it too, I think it was Buquet when he was leaving said to both, I think it was to both of them, but really to Dan, I think he was like, you know, your uh, impact goes a lot further than you probably even realize. That, and I think that that's was- that's their hope, you know. I was surprised he is not back on the practice
2: squad having seen the way they talked about Iguibuque. Like, oh, Maybe Holmes disagrees. Him.
0: Yeah. Well, That's one where I've wondered, yeah. you know, because it's pretty clear. Those are the ones that Colton and I had trouble with even this year when we we're putting the final one together where we had questions. And I'd be like, well, I know that Campbell and Aaron Glenn like this guy, but we're starting to see a few things pop up where maybe that, maybe the front office doesn't necessarily agree. And it doesn't always work out. To work. And I think last year the coaches got pretty much, Chris. If we could think back, I would say the coaches got more of their picks. If he had to go up against it, than they didn't. They kept a lot of guys who probably had no business being on a roster. Um, last year, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Well, and I mean, now maybe they didn't you're have getting that more much of a choice. Last year, fair, <laughs> yeah, fair. And but now maybe you're getting more of that because that is a definitely an interesting one. But any other any other uh, hard knocks thoughts here? Uh, do you think Campbell's last meshes there, where they showed him thinking about that? Question for an hour and a half. Which I thought was an interesting answer. We probably had
1: some, it. I don't know. We probably had some people chugging Kool-Aid after that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think they probably <laughs> did. Like, Let's go. <laughs> I think they probably did. What do you say? The, the Detroit Lions will be the team that can and will. Yes. Is that, that what you said? Well, I mean, I think that the D- Detroit Lions will be the team that can. I think we could definitely, right? I think that's fair. Can win more games. I think Eric Glenn's thing was probably more accurate. They'll be the team that competes in every game they play in, Right. I think mm-hmm. that's maybe more what he's going for, but
2: I want to know what he was. Uh, I'd more curious to know what was going through his head that he didn't say. What he didn't say, yeah. Like he was like, "We're gonna make." I don't know what he like. We're gonna make the playoffs. Like I don't know what was going in his head. We're gonna head win the Super Bowl. He <laughs> held yeah. back. Like I thought he was gonna cry at one point too. That like a, I thought that was he was a long emotional. pause. Like I couldn't tell what was happening, but I, I'd be curious to know what he, what the <laughs> the rough drafts of that statement were gonna be because it seemed interesting.
0: You know. I think about that too, and there's a lot that goes on there with him. That Chris, you know, I have talked about this a lot, just because we've been around since the start of this. Like, I still feel like, and maybe he knows this, maybe he doesn't. Obviously, they want to win here. Obviously, all this. Um, but like, I think they're they're carrying the flag for a new style of coach and a new and a lot of old guys. We talked about this. A lot of old players, like Kel, uh, Colton wrote about Kelvin Shepard this week. They're carrying the flag for a lot of guys like that, and if it works, it's gonna get copied, and it's gonna be the thing that everybody tries to do, especially and, here. If it works, yeah, then. if it works, and we say if it works, I mean they just have to be competitive, you know. Like if they're on the right track, it's gonna get copied. You're gonna start seeing former players that deserve a chance that never got one get one. Go to guys that don't necessarily look like a head coach. That the way we, and Dan Campbell didn't when they hired the line, <laughs> when they hired him. Right? So I, I think that, I, ha- I can't help but think that there's part of that that rattles around in Campbell's head when he thinks of stuff like that because the culture is such a big thing here and it's still, I mean, we we're a year and a half in, two years in almost, and that's still all they talk about. It was all they talked about for the first eight months and now it's still something they sell so much. So, yes, interesting stuff, but hard knocks probably end up positive. Okay, going into the week though, maybe not as positive. Colton, you were at practice today. You got any updates on... uh how things didn't maybe look so hot for the offensive line heading into this uh, for the game?
1: I mean, they're kind of rotating right now because Vitae's out. Um, so Campbell kind of mentioned that they have a few different options. You know, Stenberg is going to be involved. Kramer was not at practice, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, he was listed atop at the depth chart when they put that out um, in place of Vitae. So I thought that was interesting. They said they might move Sewell inside to play some guard, or they might move Ragnar out to play guard, put Evan Brown at center. So it seems okay. like they – have some some possibilities, some different options that they can work with. Um, you know, Campbell wasn't going to you know tip his tip his hand there, but yeah, uh, yeah they're looking at the offensive line. they were definitely out there mixing and matching a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see who actually gets that that spot when uh, we see those guys on Sunday. Uh,
0: I didn't think about. I thought briefly because somebody asked me on Twitter, like, uh, do you think Evan Brown could play guard? And then I was like, well, why can't Frank do it? I think yeah. Frank could play guard. Yeah, Campbell that mentioned might Frank so moving
1: to guard yeah. instead of. Evan moving out there. Just keep Evan in the center.
0: Played guard as a rookie and hated it. But like, I was going to say I don't think <laughs> he wants to go there. No, yeah. but like it's been however many years, and you know he knows the. You know he he was a rookie then too. It was the first time he'd ever played guard. I think he'd be much more comfortable. I would rather have him do it than Sewell have to do it. Frankly, I think Sewell could do it too. But I know. Did he say anything about Vitai's situation? What happened here with him?
1: It was some sort of back injury that I guess the. Oh, the first boy. time it kind of flared up was in the Steelers game, in that last preseason game. And, yeah. you know, Campbell said he doesn't regret playing the starters because those guys sure. oh, had no. some reps. No. But uh, obviously, it's an unfortunate situation. Oh. So he's going to sit up, you know, the first four games of the year. I can't maybe tell maybe a little you
0: longer. Like, He had such a good camp. Um, and I'm not sure if there's a guy that is still with them that has come further than he did that when he showed up after Patricia and those guys signed him. Like, transformed his body, got hurt, came back, and had a great friggin' camp. That sucks for him. Yeah. Because hopefully for him, that's not anything bad. Because he was a guy that we talked about. Like, if he has a solid year here, you know, they're not going to keep him on whatever his deal was anymore after this year, I wouldn't think. But, like, if he has a good year here, I could definitely see them giving him two years more or something like that. But if he's banged up, I don't know. He was great in camp. Colton, yeah, I he might was really it good, up. good. Yeah, I think, no, so too.
1: I think he has – PFF grade was, like, 92 or something overall. His run blocking, run yeah, blocking I think maybe. that's what
0: they had him at, yeah. yeah. Right, Chris, do you have any thoughts on the shuffle here, how you would do this? It's a tough one to start the season. It's another year here where, here we go. They thought they were going to have the five, and now, poof, it's well, gone.
2: I'm probably going to flip it back to you with an offensive line question yeah. here because I think I hate the thought of moving Rag. Now, Like, I, yeah, that feels like his line. Like, he wants you know, to be yeah, in charge yeah. of that thing. It. It was – Evan Brown did a fine job last year, but, like, I think you – I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, I think Ragnar is one of the best centers in this league. So, to take him out of there for all that he can do communication-wise yeah, and everything, too, I think hurts. I don't – moving Sewell the right guard doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um,
0: no, I'd play Stenberg.
2: So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. you're right. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, does it – with Ragnar at center and Sewell at right tackle yeah, – Put him in the middle of him. Does it matter who you put? It around? I mean, it
0: does. Like, yeah. It doesn't. As can it doesn't. Do something. Like, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. And part of that is what's helped Vitai. Frankly, is that he's yeah. he got lighter. He got in shape. Changed his body. All that. But he's also playing between two of the best offensive linemen in the league, in the world. He's playing next to what what I think is the best center in football and one of the best young tackles. Obviously, the ideal situation I believe would be Kramer. But as Colton mentioned, obviously he's we don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe he can still go. Maybe he can't. We'll see what all that is later in the week. But the other thing there, I, yeah, I, I would probably just play Stenberg. Because unless Evan Brown can play guard, which I don't really think he can do, uh, if he can, I think that would be a big deal for him. So if he can sneak in there and do that, my God, that would be a an attractive thing for him to sell the teams too. But, like, Stenberg was solid in camp. Not bad. You know, not as good as Kramer. But only, I thought, because Kramer can play center – And maybe even a little tackle if you wanted to. But Stenberg was doing the things that they drafted him to do. If you remember back to when he was at Kentucky and they played in that, everything was downhill. They had like Lynn Bowden and those dudes. Every snap, he comes off the ball and he's getting into a fist fight with somebody. And it's ending with like usually a pancake or a holding penalty. That was Logan Stenberg. When he came to the Lions, all that confidence went away. He was playing without leverage, it was bad, he was slow, it didn't work, I think he was hurt, and then this year, when we saw him go out there in the preseason, I thought he did enough to probably make the roster on his own. It seems like he might have made the roster because they knew Vitae was banged up, but I think he probably did enough to make the roster by himself just without that, and, I mean, shoot, what is he, 25 24. Yeah, I mean if, this would be a really if good... if Logan beat. gets in there and plays well, man. Like you're ter- good now he's the guy. Now it's he's good the development. Guy, yeah. So yeah, I think I'm with you guys. Like the interesting thing, Ragnar would be like a that would have to be an emergency. And I Frank. Hate that and, idea. and yeah,
1: I, can I, I'll just, I I do think that was maybe Campbell just trying to. I think you his, have to
0: rep it though. I think you have to prepare for it. I possibly. think he
1: was. You know, talking about his best five, how do you get that best five in there? Yes. So yeah. Evan at center, maybe you keep Franklin on the field at guard. So if that's all he's talking about, while he's throwing out a ton of different possibilities, maybe to confuse the Eagles a little maybe bit. Maybe he's
0: trying to throw I, it. Yeah, I right, would get throw. I would
1: understand that. I mean it might just be as easy as you know tossing Stenberg out there and leaving everyone else the same. So you know.
0: Sewell Yeah, <laughs> I don't but if you put Sewell at guard, who the else playing tackle? Like, that's, that's the biggest <laughs> problem there. <laughs> <laughs> because like they don't, yeah, I mean, as we've discussed, I, I feel like you're okay. Worst case scenario would be one of those tackles getting hurt or Frank getting hurt. The guards, you can sort of survive. Jonah would be obviously worse than Vitae, but uh, yeah, not probably not ideal, but also, you know, probably not a disaster. I mean, I don't think they're in a panic situation. It doesn't seem like Vitae's done for the year, anything like that. The fact that it's a back is concerning because you never really know, you know, when those things kind of go away. You'd prefer not to be playing uh, Fletcher
2: Cox and Jordan Davis and uh, no, yeah, whoever that Javon Hargrave this week, like that's not ideal. And
0: Nicoleby Dean's in there running around, and they've got a lot of dudes now. And but, like we just talked about, and Logan Stenberg, if you're ready to like the same thing was going to be up for Kramer, they just think Kramer's good. We've never seen him do (laughs) shit in a game. So for whoever it is, it's you know the whoever that guard is. I think it it should be an exciting thing because Colt and I talked about this a bunch. That was a pretty low key good battle in camp. I thought those two guys played hard, and I thought they both played pretty well. I wouldn't be totally panicked if I were them, honestly. As we've talked through this whole thing, I don't know. Am I wrong?
1: I think you're right. That was a battle, and I think we just, I think for us on our 53 man projection, it came down to just positional versatility. Kramer, yeah, and because it was close for sure, but and I think it both, came both so.
0: Hanging in there. Well, I mean, let's go across the rest of the way here and kind of wrap up camp and head to the start of the season. Uh, We'll go. touch on the receivers as well. Um, I think we started camp and sort of talked about how after the first couple of days, Colton, they were the smoothest group out there and probably the one that other than the offensive line that was, you know, the most like these guys are ready to go. This is an NFL position room, you know, ready to play. I, I don't think that changed ever. I, I think it stayed exactly where it needed to be all of camp. And I think all of most of their uh, anticipation for what they can do on offense, I think is because of these guys. Am I wrong? Do you bl- agree at all on that one?
1: No, I agree. Um, that position was locked and loaded at this, at the start. They are yeah. torching those DBs The, the end, which kind of made you concerned about the secondary, well, but <laughs> I don't know. And you can still be a little concerned there, but um, those guys are pros, you know, josh reynolds is an absolute pro he's a technician out there um i'm brown looks focused and engaged and like he's ready to you know put the league on notice again and kind of prove that last year was not just you know a good stretch of games there that he can do this over the course of a full season and uh then you got tj chark who has come in and done the things that he did in jacksonville but they obviously you know you guys talked to ben johnson they think that he can do a little bit more at that receiver position so um another guy that's you know, kind of had a really good camp, especially great connection with, with Jared Goff downfield, um, which I think is very encouraging for, for Lions fans to hear. Um, so that position, I think, is one of the stronger ones on the team, especially on that offensive side. Like Jared Goff has got some weapons around him. So that's that's always a good thing for them.
0: DJ is the one I think. Yeah, he talked very early in camp and then stayed quiet for the rest of it and wasn't on hard knocks or didn't do anything with him. But he was very serious when he got in here, and obviously, yeah, Chris. We talked to Ben Johnson about his whole fit and his profile as a player, and obviously, remember him in college, remember him in Jacksonville, and like of all the guys here that have a chance to really, for if you had to ask me, if there's is there one guy on this group that like in three weeks people would be like, "Whoa, I forgot he was. I didn't realize he was even here." It'd be him. I mean, I think that DJ Shark would be the guy that turns the most heads. Because I think he is the guy that we're talking about when we say the offense has the ability if Goff is comfortable to stand in the pocket and take shot, he's the guy that blows the top off. He's the guy that's the shot guy. He's the guy that's downfield making plays, finishing in the end zone, finishing in the red zone, um, doing all those things that they haven't had in you know three years, really, since Galladay decided he was going to quit playing <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> I think DJ Char can be I- that guy. I, I'm sorry, Kenny Galladay didn't get that shot in there. You can probably trade for Kenny Galladay back if you want <laughs> a, him. I don't think the Giants a, want him anymore. So. A drive-by Kenny Galladay swipe there. But anyway, <laughs> I do think last year, Williams and Perriman were the, the guys they were open for in that slot. And it was like, oh my God, no, neither one of these guys have even taken like a rep in camp. It's not going to work. Uh, DJ Shark, I think, had a really quiet, good, solid camp. And Chris, I want to ask you, you know, your thoughts on him as we enter the season now, like... I really feel like he's a, he could be a great, great fit for what they want to do. Because I think a lot of the Rams stuff that Goff used to run with McVay is coming back. I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think you're going to see a lot more of that run action with the wide zones. And I think they're going to try to get him in situations a lot like they did with, um, what was the dude's name? Woods and uh, the other guys they had out there um, when Goff was out there. Reynolds, I guess, was out there too. Your thoughts on Sharpen and, and the fit uh, as they head into the year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I excited to see Reynolds as a f- for a full season too. I mean, we've heard Campbell talk about him enough, but I like that was a guy that not even related to the Lions. I was sort of waiting to see if he'd get out of L.A. and get into a good mm-hmm. spot because I always I really liked durable. him coming yeah. out of college. I you know, some of this stuff was like if you developed him with his body type and the way he goes and gets the ball, like he always looked interesting. So I think that that combo on the outside is. Definitely intriguing. And I also think it speaks to sort of just the cohesion across the board because we've talked about Williams and Perriman and sort of what we thought that might be going into last year. And then Anthony Ling came in like right at the start of camp and was calling like 1984 Iowa football right. plays. Like they did not. It's better than 2022 no, Iowa football. Yeah, well, well 2022
1: it's the all, same. It's yeah, it all the same.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, he just did not have any interest in – in no exploring the space with Jared Goff, you know, just stay in there and get the ball out of your hands. We'll get four yards and we'll just live to see another day. Yeah. I think now you see what they think this offense could be, you know, working off play action, letting Goff throw down the field more if he is confident enough to do that. And so I, I think that that's just the way this is built makes more sense this year. And now it's going to be on I mean, most of it's going to fall back on golf to like actually take advantage of it. If you get into game one and Chark and Reynolds are running deep and they're still throwing four yard passes, then you start to get a little concerned. But I I mean, I think that, yeah, I I think that this has a chance to be really good because I mean, Khalif Raymond was good last year and he's like, what, their fifth receiver, fourth, fifth receiver now. And he was one of their most reliable guys last year. So that room has taken a complete 180 and you kind of like to see Holmes be able to do that with a couple more exactly. rooms in Somebody that on building defense. but yeah. yeah uh yeah he did man. it here man
0: yeah <laughs> you got to respect what he's done with the receivers yeah they did it here it's flipped um it's flipped all the way to a point where yeah because you think back to last year and you're like the best guy i guess would have been St. Brown but we didn't we hadn't seen anything from him yet and now we just talked about those two guys outside which opens up so much more and i also think you'll see situations maybe this year where you know, if Reynolds or Shark or even Amon Ra are in situations where they have a prefer preferred matchup, it doesn't it wouldn't shock me to see Ben Johnson just be like, this is we're just gonna match up this all the way down the field until they get out of it. And, you know, if we just have to run comebacks to Josh Reynolds until they decide to cover us different, that's what we're gonna do. And Lynn was never gonna do that to Chris's point. He was never gonna deviate from this is the system we're running. This is the plan. It has to all work in timing. That's the West Coast offense. This is going to be, and Colton, I wanted to ask you about this too, because Campbell touched on this, and this ties in with the whole offense. The way that they call offense is going to be more collaborative, and when I say that, it sounds like Ben Johnson's going to call the plays, but it sounds like Dan Campbell's going to have free range to take that thing whenever he wants, and Johnson's going to be okay with that. And I would also guess that Jared Goff is going to have the ability to go over to them and say, this is what I want to do. Right. I mean, do you, Would you agree about that or is that's what it sounded like he right. said. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he talked about that the other day and was, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know how much of that was, you know, again, trying to play down and not give the Eagles, you know, sure, any, sure, any sure. leverage sure. or whatever. But I did think it was interesting that he was just like, well, I want to call plays, too. Uh, <laughs> I think he's capable of it, but I think I am, too. So and someone asked me, he was like, is Campbell kind of stepping on his toes there? I think he would only say that if there's a level of comfort there where you know that you've already yeah. discussed this, you've talked about this, you have a plan in place. So I don't, I didn't read it as, well, this is, this is what I want to do. Uh, you know, I'm going to take, o- take over his job just play calling duties. Like, that's not how I read it. I just think it's like you said, Je- Ben Johnson's is going to call the place. He's been doing that all preseason. They've looked good with the starters out there for the most part. Um, but Campbell will, you know, chip in from time to time. And if he sees something he wants, he'll obviously take the reins there and they'll work on it together. I don't really yeah. think it's, a reason to cause drama or anything like that. Uh, I just think it's two guys that trust each other, that know each other, and want to do this together.
0: So. I mean, it really does feel more like a modern... And if, like what we hear from other schemes and other play callers. Lynn wasn't really like that, neither was Daryl Bevel, frankly. What we hear from modern play callers and everything else in the NFL is, <clears throat> yeah, everybody has their system, so to speak, but really you do and you don't. You put in new... You just change every week. You're doing something different. You're trying to find you know, angles in a circle or whatever. You're constantly thinking. You're not just working the same thing over and over and over and over again. That has been the vibe that I think we've gotten all camp from everybody around Ben Johnson. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how this all comes together. I think I would assume it's going to look a lot like it did, you know, middle of the season on last year, maybe without some of the kinks they had. But Chris, if you remember back to that, a lot of that was sort of what I was talking about earlier. There were several stretches in games where I can remember back to where, if nothing was working, they just found one or two things that did, and they just did it until somebody took it away, and they had no problem doing that. And I still feel like that could be a benefit for them and how they run offense. How do you expect this to go? Are you have any expectations for how it's going to look? Any different at all or anything like that? I mean,
2: that's most of what happened with Amonrod down the stretch. It's just like, he's our best player. We don't have anyone else. Let's just throw it to him 20 times that's the it. game. And yeah, it he'll worked. catch 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> More than right. anything else they did yeah. last year. So I think you're right. I think that they... Uh, are more open to finding those spots where they're going to have the advantages and whether it's Swift or I'm sure there'll be games where Hawkinson matches up pretty well against some of those linebackers and safeties. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, the big thing for me is just going to be what, not even so much, what does the script stuff look like and how do they come out when they're feeling creative and and Mm -hmm. confident, but like, what's this going to look like in the fourth quarter when it's close. Are we going to see Campbell go back to, like, we got to run the football? Because there were a couple of those games last year, even after he took yes, over play call, Yes, that's calling, true. Where it was like, we want to run it. We want to establish the line of scrimmage. We're just going to run the ball. And it didn't really work. Some of that was because golf was hurt, and they were playing Boyle, and, you know, you understand <laughs> the deficiencies there. But I, I think that that's the big thing for me. Are we going get, to get to the fourth quarter? Because even listening to him on some of the hard knock stuff in the preseason – um, I think it was the Falcons game, you know, like there was the conversation was like, well, what do you want to do here? He's like, I want to go score a touchdown. And they were up by three with, you know, a minute and a half to go. It's so, like, I want to yeah. go score and put this away. So to me that that's a different mindset than what we saw to some of the yes. games last year. So I think that that's the thing. Is this just going to be 15 plays and then it goes downhill? Because that's what happened with Bevel all the time, too. Yeah, exactly. It would be great for the first and, you know, 10 minutes. And then he just run the same plays yeah. over and over again and it wouldn't work so um are they still going to keep that creativity and that aggressiveness you know in the second half in the fourth quarter i think that's going to be really telling and and also who's <laughs> you know, if we see campbell calling everything in the fourth um yeah right you what know, does that say about yeah that that that's a
0: different uh conversation you know him. i think that the answer to that question is going to be is going to, and this will be the next uh, segue here. The is going to be de- dependent on Goff. It's going to be up to Goff. Because I think last year, when we think back to all those moments you just talked about, and I was thinking back in my head, the times when it felt like Campbell got way too conservative on something or he would go away from from that. I felt like there were a lot of times last year, more often than not, and the times where he did get into trouble, where he would overstep or overcorrect, where he was fighting his instinct to be like that Sean Payton play caller who's like, I'm just going to go for it all the time, and I dare you all... I dare you to flinch. I, we're coming at you. I don't care. You do something to stop us. And I feel like that's how he would prefer to call a game. But if you don't have a team that can back that up, you are going to get your ass kicked. And so I think he ran into some of that last year where it was like, do I want to call it? I want to call it the way I want to call it, but we can't. We just can't do that. We can't play like that. We can't live on the edge like that and like live to talk about it. But if Goff's playing football the way that they seem to think he's ready to do, That's a different conversation. I think in the fourth quarter, you would see them take more chances and be more aggressive. But Colton, we have seen Jared Goff in practice. But we saw him, you saw him against the Colts for two days and he did one series or two in a preseason game. I'm not sure if there's another starter in the league that got less work in training camp than Jared Goff. In terms of training camp days, they seem to be totally confident that he's going to be the Jared Goff of old. He was definitely better in camp. I'm going to ask you: Where do you think Jared Goff is as we sit here on uh, a couple of days before the first game?
1: Yeah, there really aren't a ton of concerns with him right now, based on like what the coaching staff is saying. Like this, this is their guy, and you know, obviously the backup situation makes that easier. But <laughs> I think yep. they they like what they've done, and they like what he what they've seen from him this off season. Where whether it's you know them tailoring the offense to get more of his stuff they did with the Rams in there, or adding pieces around him, or just the general level level of comfort that he's playing with right now, I think something that wasn't there last year. I mean, you guys can probably speak to that more than I can, but it seems like he's in a much better place. Now, whether or not that translates on the field, we'll have to see. But, like, I think based on everything that they could have done to, you know, make the season a successful one for Jared Goff, I think they like what they've done to, you know, kind of make that happen. Um, You know, well, Goff was speaking later today, I think, so we'll probably hear more from him on his thoughts going into week one there. But he seems to be in a really good spot um pretty confident i think they're, we're gonna see him take more down shot downfield shots um and i think he's just again in a, in a good place right now heading into the season and it's on him to perform because this is a really really important season it for is. him and his career and whatever happens whether it's remaining with the lions or finding another team after this who knows but you know this season will go a long way towards you know how the league feels about jared Goff as a quarterback
0: I do want to talk about that, actually. I want to talk about that quite a bit. But we have to take a break here for a second and restart this thing because we are running out of time on our clock. So one second, everyone. Be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, we're back. And I, I do want to talk about the year that will be or whatever is in front of Jared Goff. Uh, And maybe the greater skills, which I'm glad Chris is here for this because it has to go back to kind of the start. And that's, you know, we've talked since the beginning that, you know, when they made the trade, you know, the staffer trade involved Jared Goff, that there was probably going to be a two, maybe three year window. It was going to be impossible really for anything else uh, to happen. Um, Last year, obviously, was what it was. and Nobody was shocked by it. I don't think he had confidence issues. They lingered. Uh, He was given up on by his former coach, the guy that drafted him, why it's understandable, all that. He fixed some of them. Now here we are. And the ultimate question becomes, what does he have to do um, to sort of become the guy that we stop talking about is the guy that's before the next guy? And um, I don't really know the answer to that. It almost feels like, well, it's something that you'll know when you see it. But Chris, I guess, you know, considering where things ended last year, where they started last year and where all things you've heard and seen. To this point, what are you expecting from Jared Goff? And what do you think he needs to do to sort of can he quell all the doubts? And what does he need to do to maybe reasonably, you know what I'm saying, like reasonably back some of that off? Uh,
2: <laughs> make the playoffs. I mean, I don't know that, like, I don't know that it, it doesn't feel like there's an in between here, um, for better or worse. Like, if it feels like he either has a really good year. And they're in the hunt into December, you know, January, whenever the regular season ends. And and he's a big part of that. He has a really good season, puts up good numbers, doesn't give away any games with turnovers at the end. And you get to the end of the year, and they either sneak into the playoffs or they're, you know, eight, nine, something you feel decent about. And he played pretty well. And you can look at it and say, okay, well, that that fit with what we're trying to do. Or it's just bad, and you know it's bad, and it feels like the first half of last year where there's just this ceiling on this team, and even with the new toys that he's got, you know, Sharks getting open, but they're not hitting passes, and Swift's getting, their teams are low in the box because they're not scared of golf. Um, You know, I think it's going to be fairly obvious whether or not this this is working, or at least to most of us, and you know, know you guys have talked about this too, It some of this just goes back to This is the one spot where it's really hard to get inside Brad Holmes' head and inside the the discussions that are happening with Holmes and Campbell because you're right. I think we always said this was sort of a two year window. This contract was structured that way. The rebuild was structured that way. um, And it's been hard to keep it, you know, keep viewing it that way. But I, I think the question now is have they accelerated that timeline at all? You know, like, is this still a two-year thing where they're like, okay, this is our baby step forward, and then we'll figure it out? Or do they feel pretty good about this roster now where Jared Goff would be holding them back, I guess is the question.
0: Right, and that's what I'm not sure that we can get the answer. It's hard because uh, the answer, I think, of what does he have to do to get people to just be like – to ex- if, if, if they at the end of the season were like, we're extending Goff for six years – What would he have to do for people to not freak out about something like that, right? To not be like, this is a disaster. What are you doing? And the answer to that question is what Chris just said. They'd have to make the playoffs. He had to play like a Pro Bowler. That's the answer because, you know, he was given up on by his former coach who then turned around and won a Super Bowl. So it looked like it was probably a good decision that they gave up on him and did what they did. It wasn't accidental, it wasn't for no reason. It was all done on purpose for a reason because he had lost confidence. And frankly, the game has moved in a direction where there is too much speed defensively to combat if you can't move as a quarterback. So there are things stacked against him that he has to overcome. I think he can overcome them. But like Colton and I, we've talked about this, like he's got to throw like, he's got to be like a 70% passer. He cannot turn the ball over and his shots have to land like more often than not. He cannot be the reason why they lose games. I think that's probably where it lands right where it's like if they're eight and nine Jared Goff cannot be the reason why they're not 12 and something or if they're you know what I mean if they're three and whatever he can't be the reason why they're not seven or eight and I think that those are the questions maybe that we still have to answer Colton I would ask the same thing to you you saw every day out there more than we did and you know the staff is confident in him do you think that that's warranted are you or are you still sort of like I mean I kind of want to see this here from you
1: I mean, based on what we've seen, I think it is warranted. I mean, they can only go against their guys. Like we right. didn't see Goff that much in the preseason. He did just see the, him in that, Indy. So, yeah, yeah, that one series in, in the preseason against the Falcons. And in Indy, he looked pretty sharp the second yep. day and bounced back in a way that you want to see him respond there against a good defense. So, at this point, with so many of the guys on this team, it's like you just got to go out and see it on a Sunday. And, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the course of the season, he's just got to go out there and play like the guy that they've been talking about. and. If he does, I'm not, you know, I guess how long can you keep him around? You know, I think it. if he throws yeah, like wow. 35 touchdowns and you know, yeah, 10 man. picks or 4,000 4, plus yards, like you can work with that. I then think you so. Two first round picks to build elsewhere and, you know, address some other weaknesses. And maybe you can, you know, make the playoffs yeah. next year if he keeps on that trajectory. But anything less than that and, you know, competing for a playoff spot this year, it's like the the temptation is there. Like there are some good quarterbacks in this year's class. You know, we'll see two of them go against each other. This weekend, this weekend, that yeah. Florida-Kentucky game. so Big day. <laughs> big day for, uh, for Lions quarterback fans. Um, so, I mean, again, it's like such a crucial year for him in his career. It's like it's one of the most intriguing storylines. I, can, I, can, I see why people wanted Hard Knocks to talk about yeah. that a little bit more just because of what's at stake. Um, but at the same time, like Hard Knocks was not going to tell us anything that we weren't already reporting. Right. Yeah. Goff. He just got to go out there and play the game so everyone can see what he can and can't do.
0: You know, I would say that I I think it probably has to be a good thing, right, that he seems loose and calm and a lot looser and calmer than he did last year. And there's almost days where I'm like, he's really calm. Do you not understand that this is a big... <laughs> you know what I mean? And there are some days that I'm like, maybe he knows something that I don't know about his future at this at this organization. But I really don't think that's how it works in the NFL. He does seem like he's at a place where he's just going to let it rip and see what happens and just and I think that's all you can do is last year there was still definitely a lot of that there was still some denial talk early on about I really wasn't given up on it was just sort of a bad fit and it's like no dude like you're a former number 1 pick that was quit on that is hard to bounce Mitchell Trubisky is still trying right it's a hard thing to come back from especially when you played in a Super Bowl um, but obviously, the best case scenario, yeah, would be for him to light it up. And then, but Colton just hit it, Chris, and we see it now more than ever every day. Like the Lions are going to have two picks next year. And really, no matter how they finish and whatever spectrum of the whatever you want to call it, they're going to have options at, with both of their first round picks yeah. at quarterback if they want them. So, you know, it's I mean, going to be the, there.
2: The Trubisky, just because you mentioned him, it's interesting because if, if Goff were in a situation like Trubisky's in, I don't know how – like, we've we been talking about him a lot because there would be the competition there, but it would be a totally yeah. different conversation than, like, he's got to <laughs> – You're a, damn right. Like, the, because that's set up for you've got your rookie in there, you've got the guy on the short-term deal, like, let's just see what he can do. Some of this is the Lions have brought on themselves because they have refused now for two years to bring in really anything yeah. to or him right? or fair, any type fair. of different quarterback, like – I don't know. I know you've watched Nate Sudfeld played. He is not. Yeah, I have. He is A not going to be the starter for this team. So, no. Uh, I thought it was
1: funny in Hard Knocks that Campbell didn't even know Sudfeld yeah. was Oh, hey.
0: <laughs> like how Sudfeld's in the front row like, what's up, everybody? Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm the exact same guy that you just cut that y'all loved and <laughs> the nation fell in love with on Hard Knocks. But. Yeah, I don't know. It's I definitely interesting. It is
2: interesting. really interesting. I mean, he – Goff's – He's it feels like he's been around forever because he started for six years, but he's only 27. Like, it's not, not a little not guy. The realm of yep. possibilities
0: that he that's fair a couple good years here. Uh, and find yeah, he, look, we could be really talking about something different by week nine. I don't know, like if he turns it on, and how many times did people do that with Stafford? Not to compare the two, because like, I would never do that. Stafford is a much better player, and I think probably always will be, but how many times when he was young, in his mid 20s. God, he's a mess. Like I, Before people really got ridiculous with it, there were still the questions from reputable people in the NFL that were like, I don't know if he has it. So, to be to your point, it's not impossible, but golf situation is much different than that. And I think that that's ultimately the thing. Is he talented enough to do what you need him to do going forward? They think he is. I suppose we'll see. Uh, before we wrap up and roll out of here, the biggest question, though, is going to be whether or not this defense... Um, is not just better, but notably better, like how much better. Um, I am of the belief, and now Levi is cramping my style on this one, and so is Pascal, probably. (laughs) But if everyone's healthy, I think they have a sneaky good front seven. I think they have a front seven that could be reasonably difficult to run against and pretty good on third down to get after the quarterback. Would I? Am I out of bounds and saying? I mean, you guys. I think I've seen enough from the pass rush, and the guys that have been healthy in the front that they brought in. I think it's much improved than it was a year ago at this time.
1: Yeah, Holmes was talking about the pass the pass rush as you know one of the strengths on that defensive side and
0: strength. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got Hutchinson coming in doing what he's going to do. You know what you're going to get from him, even though he's a rookie, which is always a luxury. Guys like Austin Bryant have had a really good camp. Um, Kaminsky, I think he's maybe a little Kaminsky. banged up, but I don't, I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Uh, he's had a strong camp, so I think the defensive line looks pretty good uh, going into the season. Linebacker, we'll see what happens. I don't even know if they've. I guess on the depth chart, it's Chris Board, right, and Anzalone, I think. Yeah, that sounds what
0: it'll be. Yeah,
1: you know, I guess we'll we'll see there. But obviously, Malcolm, they like what he's been doing. Uh, Derek Barnes seems to have made a move there late. In preseason, I think they yeah, kind of saw better. the light come on a little bit there. So, um, yeah, I mean, the question is always going to be the secondary. You know, I think <laughs> the cornerback spot is Okuda going to give him what what they need out of that position, the cornerback two, Amani. Can he play like a number one or is he just sort of a de facto number one? You know, so I think and then the second, you know, the, the safeties bringing in to Sean Elliott and uh, Tracy's obviously going to be Tracy. But, you know, there's just so many questions in the secondary that I don't think have been entirely answered this preseason training camp. But. The front seven, I agree. I think they look pretty solid right now. Uh,
0: do we have concerns, Chris, about Levi? I mean, I'm kind of worried here about Levi, I would say. Uh, Holmes did say last week or whenever it was he talked that they knew that Levi had an injury in college. Yeah. Um, and he did more than they thought he was going to be able to do last year, which was not exactly what they said when the season started, if I can recall back. But that's a that's a okay. He can look at it. <laughs> that's fine. Uh yeah, I'm concerned about Mr. Anwazurike here. Um he did not do anything in camp last year. He obviously missed all of camp this year. This seems like it's not going away. Uh this isn't good. Am I am I overreacting?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean the back stuff in general is yeah. uh problematic. Same and thing I think that we talked about with Vita, yeah. Probably not a great sign too that he can't I mean I think to his credit he spent last year and you could tell he was out of shape when we did see him and yeah. even if he hadn't had the back thing I, I would have been surprised if he made it through the season. So yeah, to his credit 100%. he sounds like he stayed in the building, he busted his ass all off season to get in he shape. He looked good. Looks good, yeah. I mean it seemed like he was in, in a good spot and so to have this to have issues pop up again here I think is concerning. I think it's also interesting that then they went back to the well and took Pascal in the draft when he had a college injury and now you're waiting on him to come back and so you know I you can take a few of these swings here and there but you
0: You know you can't be waiting on everyone because (laughs) because the rest of the guys have to hold up right yeah exactly
2: but I I mean I think that this is a huge year for for Onzerike certainly because uh, like Michael Brockers isn't going to be here forever he's not a guy that they really use or have used in the past at least as a pass rusher so there's an opening for someone to play next to McNeil for the next five years. Five years. <laughs> and if it's not on 3 <laughs> then maybe it's Paschal. Maybe they have to go find someone. I mean, but I think this is a big year for him. So they, uh, he needs to be on the field. And also they're clearly better or have, have a higher ceiling, I think, with him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it is concerning because anytime you take a player out of that front seven, it's going to be a concern because there's just not enough there to – replace it yet you know they're not like yeah. way i mean they're better but they're not just overflowing with talent necessarily so and
0: i think like he's the guy that i look at and say of all the guys they've taken so far in the draft levi was a second round pick right yep. yeah yep. i think so premium pick and he's the closest one probably melifond who i guess would be the other one where you're like he has done nothing here and uh you haven't been able to move on at his position. And you take a guy in the second round, and you're hoping to put him in that spot, write his name in ink, just like Chris said, for the next five years, this is that dude. They did it with Aleem, and and they kind of they didn't take a risk. They kind of did, not they kind of didn't, but they went back-to-back back with premium picks You know, there in 2021 at that spot. And for one of them to not work at that position, where your shelf life isn't that long to begin with, Ugh, that's not a miss that I would want to have. You can take a ride with a corner, you know. If if Okuda is still rough this year, they can still come back next year and be like, okay, like we we are not still out of the woods yet. We can still salvage this. You're you're okay, man. These defensive tackles, like the the wor- the more injuries pile up and the worse it gets, and the further behind they fall. Like I just you I the biggest fear for me for them is are they going to have to go back and start correcting mistakes with the draft again? And that's the one where I'm like, I don't, you hate to see that, but they've also found guys that have been solid underneath. Like Demetrius Taylor is a really good addition. We'll see if he holds up and does more, but I mean, damn, I mean, he was good in every situation I saw him. Right. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think it's better. I think like Colton said, I think Barnes has gotten better. Obviously Malcolm's going to play and we all knew that was going to happen. Um, I think Chris Board is a solid player, at Anzalone. This is probably his last go around here, right, Chris? I mean, you think? I don't know. Like, feels like this is the last time he can reasonably be safe in a Detroit Lions uniform, right, on September seventh. I mean, barring yeah, a great I, I year,
2: don't, I don't. I think you <laughs> like a few months ago, we probably would have argued that he shouldn't be safe or wasn't. I mean, no. didn't feel like he was safe last year. His, you know, I didn't know for sure that they were going to bring him back, and. There were a now, couple a times last again. year. Yeah, they <laughs> like his leadership. They like you know what he does. But yeah, I mean he's got to be a lot better than he was last year. So I, I mean I do think that that front seven will be better. I mean I think this is a really good talked about the test that the line uh, offensive line getting. They the Eagles caught him last year. You know, it was the week after week, that Rams yeah. game, like they went out to LA, all the stuff with Stafford, they—they they were a mess. Threw yeah. punches that whole, like they were in that whole <sighs> game with the Rams, they like left it running the fakes all over the place. So it was a letdown <laughs> game. But they she got had Fox through like five passes. Yeah. They got trucked <laughs> tra- by the Eagles last year, so I think that this is going to be a good test just to see where they're at, how much improvement there actually has been. Because I do think the front seven's better. I don't know that the secondary is better, but if the yeah. front seven's better that it'll help you at least a little bit of the way there with the secondary. So yeah, um, that's what you're looking for. Yeah,
0: You're And I think that's why they changed the defense. And that's why the Levi thing hurts because I think you're, you know, and like Colton mentioned earlier, there's not, a, there's not really a lot of reason to sit there and talk about the secondary because we know the situation there. <laughs> it sort of is what it is. And yeah. like a lot of these guys are going to have to prove it or not. And like, they've said it all year about G- Okuda. He's going to have to go do it. Like <clears throat> there's nothing else we can say. What was a Lucas was annoying the hell out of Pleasant in the um, Hard Knocks, and he was like, I don't know what else to tell you guys to let you know that I'm going to make the team. And he's like, this is a show league, dude. Like, you need to go play. I That's it. So for the defensive backs, is what it is. But I want to wrap up on this one because Chris sort of mentioned the bigger picture, and this is the question I guess everybody wants to know is uh, Colton, having seen this team now uh, up close, knowing what they were a year ago, you know, and I think we said seven wins uh, somewhere in there. Six, seven wins before the season started. I think everybody sort of agreed in there. Is that still sort of where you're looking at it for this team? Have you changed your mind at all? Um, and what, Maybe maybe what's your range you could see for this team?
1: Yeah, I, I think going into training camp, I said seven wins. Yeah. Uh, and I think I've since changed to six.
0: Oh, you went <laughs> um, backwards. Oh. I went, I went oh, I down know. a little
1: bit. I went down a little bit. <laughs> Look, I think maybe going into training camp, I was a little like, okay, Hard Knocks is coming. Yeah, you were fired up. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, all right, cool. We'll see what we can get out of this. And then, I don't know, man, like, the secondary still concerns me. I have questions about injuries. Like, we've already seen Vitae go down. I just think, like, some people have talked themselves into eight, nine wins already. And I don't, you know, maybe if a few things go right, but have they gone right anytime soon recently? you know <laughs> That's it's like hard to assume. can you really yeah, expect right. on that can you really <laughs> expect that right now I, I just don't know so i would probably be a little bit more on the pessimistic side but again they do have some pieces that if if some of these things come together if some of these guys take a step forward i can, i can see that you know 7 8 wins i think that'd still be a yeah. really good year even if you missed would the playoffs be. that'd yes. be a, a really good year you can build on that um, based on hard knocks, maybe you can attract some guys that want to play for Dan Cain. Sign like, somebody yeah. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all on the table. Uh, but we just gotta see it. I, I think there's still some questions here. So I would probably go down a little bit. No one no one like come for me on, on Twitter or whatever, but uh, <laughs> will. yeah, I'd probably go six and eleven.
0: <laughs> okay, Chris, uh I think you were probably the same, right? Seven, someone someone there. Have you yeah, changed your mind? You probably about the same.
2: I haven't changed my mind. I, I mean I think that they're I would sort of trend the other way. Um, in that range we've all agreed upon <laughs> or I think yeah, that they can get somewhere in there yeah eight, yeah it's in there nine. like fair. I think that that because even just looking at their schedule like they've got the nine home games this year it starts off like if they get this first one then you got Washington coming in Seattle's coming in, in a couple weeks like the road trip to Minnesota they you know tend to hang in those games like that it, it's possible they could get off to a decent start here I also think it the hard thing for me is trying to put last season in any context because that was a three-win yeah. team that should have been a like six-win a team. Win. Yeah, and six they seven. were bad. I mean, it, yeah. they did not have much talent. They should have been a six-win team. So does that carry over at all this year? Like, if they get, if they maintain the good things that happened last year and add in the talent that they've got now and golf plays better, I, I mean, I don't think eight, nine is. Unreasonable. Like, I think it's possible, for sure. I would still probably call 7 and 10, but I could – if they go 9 and 8, I'm not going to be floored. Like, I think that that's doable.
0: So, this is all – yeah, I mean, I agree. This is sort of the question that people have a lot of, like, how many wins is what? And what we're all talking about, I feel like, is, like, the same thing because the difference between six, right. a six-win we're team and a nine-win team like, in the NFL. And this is what I wanted to say because – When I I came back, you know, left college writing exclusively and kind of came back and started following the NFL a lot closer again, I was sort of reminded, uh, and more so now than ever, that parity in the NFL is very real. And not only is the difference between a 6-win team and a 9-win team a Razor, I would argue the difference sometimes between a 4-win team and a 10-win team is like a Razor. But, but, and this is where I go back to Campbell's, like, this is, the Lions are going to be the team that can and will you have to be able to at least be at the bare minimum to, like, be in the fight. If you're at the bare minimum roster talent-wise, you can. everybody in the league can hang to the deep water, as, as everybody likes to say, right? Everybody in the league can go all the way out there, and it's just a matter of what are you going to do in those three or four plays that we all talk about every single week until we're blue in the face. Last year, they did not have enough guys on this team to even get themselves reasonably to a situation most weeks. Where that was going to matter. It was like the difference between 25 plays is why they were losing. Now it's going to be five to 10 most weeks. I think that they're there. And that is a six to nine win team. And I think that that's what they are. And it's a matter of are you going to make those five to 10? And I think that as Chris and I saw last year with the guys they kept on this roster, Campbell and Aaron Glenn, uh, I think believe in their ability to get more out of guys that maybe other people don't think very highly of and uh, I think we're going to see more of that again and that's maybe their hope and um, I would agree with you guys though I think six to somewhere in there I would say seven again just somewhere in the middle but a lot of it depends on a lot of different stuff and a lot of it is like who are, what is the other team doing when you're playing them Yeah, you know, what are they going through right now <laughs> You know, that's going to matter too still
1: I also forgot how like light their schedule is so I might, I might bump back up to seven so <laughs> yeah saying, but change he, the course
2: right here I mean but you mentioned too and they you know they don't I think this coaching staff is at least embraced and uh, it understands sort of what they're facing, uh, like the intangible challenge they're facing here. Because yeah, if they're up twenty to seventeen in the fourth quarter Ugh. on a Sunday, <laughs> that's and the next hurdle. they get called yeah. for a right. false start, and it's first and fifteen, and everyone in Ford Field starts getting fidgety, and like, yeah. is this team going to make a play? And that those are to Colton the what you said. You know, when has it gone right? It. Not much. Not Assets. very often. <laughs> like the Minnesota game last year was the first time in a while. And uh And they really just, gave uh, it away. There's yeah. like like that's you're right about how razor thin this is because yeah. and and for whatever reason people always ask well why are they so why have they been so bad for so long? And it's almost you almost can't explain how they keep ending up on the wrong side of these razor thin margins, you know? It just happens. And yeah. so that's one of the things that I think Campbell accepted when he took this job and this coaching staff knows that you have to find a way to. There are teams that know how to win in those spots, and there are teams who just think thump, something's horrible. Something horrible yeah, is going to happen. We and got the lions shrewder, for decades yeah, right. have been the team where you can yeah. wait for something horrible. So I, I don't know that if they start winning some of those games like that. Mm -hmm. it'll have, it'll feel different. And then you start thinking about what they might be able to accomplish.
0: Definitely.
1: And, and I'll add this, if that does happen, I think we can point to the reason why, because they've gone so hard in training camp, in these practices, you know, practicing those late game situations, practicing situational football. That's been a huge emphasis for, for Dan Campbell. doesn't seem like a ton of teams across the league are, are doing it as, as much or to the extent that the Lions did it, this training camp. Like he really, made that a point of emphasis. So if they do start winning some of those late games, they do have better luck down the stretch. I don't know if we can even call it luck. It's just something that they practice and something that, you know, they've kind of worked into their DNA at that point.
0: And it's the ultimate thing, right? Because there's multiple steps of a rebuild. You know, if you start from the studs, you have to learn how to win, walk, stand up, whatever. And the second part of that is you have to learn how to win again and do it more than once and do it a couple times in a row. And sometimes, That step can be even harder than the first one. So I think that's where we'll leave it because that's where the Lions are at, and we got to go see it now. Um, There's no more things to really talk about. Uh, Hard Knocks did all that for us, Uh, and everybody else the rest of the month. Uh, Obviously, Lions-Eagles on Sunday. Colton and I will be there. Uh, We'll be back next week to discuss it all. Um, Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, You can find our show on iTunes, on The Athletic, uh, wherever else you find podcast. Anybody else got anything to say before we uh, head off here? All good? All right. For Colton and Chris, I am Dan. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys later.